Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be comparing notes on the 2022 film Barbarian and the 90s TV show X Files. Warning, spoilers ahead. Oh man, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, we're covering your all-time favorite show, correct? Yes. Yeah. This is this is a big this is a big day. This is a big day. Um, You're breaking it out for spooky season. I am. I am. It's got a lot of good spooky themes, but I think it can appeal to everybody just because it has episodes that are scary, episodes that aren't very scary, episodes that are alien-based. It's so good mm-hmm. in all realms. And you're covering something hot off the press, which, yes. well, it's been out for a couple weeks now, right? A couple weeks, but okay. it's still in theaters. Nice. I just went to see it yesterday morning. Yay! A good old Saturday morning <laughs> movie. <laughs> Horror film. <laughs> yeah. We love that. That has been my pattern as of late, and I stand by it. I like it. I like walking to the theater. They have, like, screenings starting at, like, 10.50 a.m., and I know it's going to be me and, like, four other people, (laughs) and it's just a really nice Saturday morning activity. Did Will go with you? No, it was just me this time, which is honestly my preferred state. Yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Did you have a good week? I had an okay week. It was pedestrian in many ways. (laughs) Just, like, a lot of repetitive, boring work at Mm -hmm. work. There was one weird event that happened where I had a migraine that was preceded by a very distinct migraine aura, which Uh I know that you know that I get. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that time I went to the ER because almost all of my visual field was gone. Was it like that? Do you remember that that story? Yeah, I do. It was... Uh, It was not as bad visually, Mm -hmm. though uh, I knew what was happening right away because, like, the top third of my visual field was not working. But the troubling part this time Mm -hmm. was that I was much more confused than I ever have been, and I was finding really normal words to be foreign and I wasn't sure what they were. Were you at home or at work? I was at work which was really strange like I was reading emails Mm -hmm. and I was like I don't know what this is about. (laughs) It was just like an announcement for someone's thesis defense Uh and I was like dissertation dissertation what's that? (laughs) Oh my god. And then I was like I was looking into a microscope, and I was oh, like, I can't, impossible. I can't see shit. I can't see shit in here. I'm, I get this is so bad. photosensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was troubling. I couldn't remember words I wanted to remember. That was really weird. Like, I remember the last time this happened. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling confused um, because I was watching a movie, mm-hmm. And I couldn't follow what was happening, but I thought it was because I couldn't see. And I was like, well, naturally, I don't know what's happening in the Um, movie because I couldn't see it. And then now I'm wondering retroactively if this is just the first time where I can like readily identify that I was 
confused and having some sort of aphasia. The previous times where I remember this happening, where I get like visual field disturbance, mm -hmm. have I've been like watching something, so it's been really like low cognitive energy situations. Mm -hmm. But this time I was at work and there were like higher level concepts I was supposed to be mm. dealing with, and I could not do it, and so. I just, yeah. like, threw in the towel and left. I was like, there's no coming back from this. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. What are you supposed to do if you can't mm -hmm. read words when that's, like, half of our job? Yeah. It was so weird, though. Like, I couldn't remember very basic words and acronyms. That's that really I interesting. on a daily basis. Yeah. It was wild and troubling to <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, but then I just went home and laid down and put like a pillow over my face for yeah. several hours but yeah it was similar enough to that extreme time mm -hmm. this time around that I knew like it was almost certainly just yeah migraine premonitions <laughs> anyway that was my eventful thing for the week yeah that's eventful my week was uneventful for the most part, I'm so close to finishing like a project that has been ongoing for a really long time. Not the whole project, but just like getting to a nice stopping point where I can catch up on all of the things that are on the back burner. Mm -hmm. um, so that feels really nice because uh, I've been stressed about that. Everything's just like really piling up, but yeah, I'm excited. And then I'm going to go visit um, one of my friends that lives up in minnesota next weekend yeah gonna go visit amos the little oh, yay. baby Ooh, yeah that's gonna be so nice i'm very excited oh, so that sounds cute. amazing um but yeah there's been talk of going and getting impulsive tattoos as well which <gasps> well <would always> be <laughs> you're fun. already planning the impulsive tattoos that's i know great. do you know what your planned impulsive tattoo would be not yet we're just gonna vibe. We probably won't go. We're oh, we're man. the kind of indecisive where we'll be like, we should do this and we should do this and we should do this. And when when the time comes, we'll just like sit on the couch and put on Twilight or something because <laughs> we don't know what to watch. And we're like, well, this is here. Oh, I see. Yeah. One time we watched um, Sabrina Down Under because we couldn't figure out what to watch and it's just a movie where sabrina the teenage witch goes to australia i don't remember that existing i think it was a straight to television type movie straight to television what is that called made for tv a made, made for, for TV. tv sure sure yeah but that's the kind of people we are when we get together it's just painful indecision i'm so excited I wish I could go. I want to hang out with this person, too. Uh, you can. You can always fly. <laughs> and we'll pick you up. We could potentially plan something like that at some point. Yeah. Actually, I was supposed to tell you I'm going to be away next weekend. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just realized that that is next weekend now. Oh, okay. Where yeah. are you going? Uh, we are going to go upstate. And spend the like a long weekend in a cabin and oh, just kind of try to decompress so nice. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try to do a bunch of um, writing for my yes. know, personal project. Yeah. 
gosh, I'm so jealous. I want to do that. <laughs> so we've got nice weekends and I don't have to head back as early then. Extra time for extra tattoos. Yes. All of them. <laughs> I just come back and I'm like fully tatted. <laughs> I was like, I spent all weekend in there. I spent my life savings. <laughs> Getting into it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Before we dig ourselves into a bigger hole. <laughs> okay, so... This week, I'm talking about the new film, Barbarian. It's currently in theaters. Like I was saying, I just went and saw it yesterday morning in the theater here. Because, you know, I like to support films when they're in the theater. That's really important, especially for, you know, independent projects that aren't part of huge IP machines. I think it's important to go out and support those in the theater. And I also just like to see the films <laughs> in the theater, especially when I think something like the visuals or the sound will benefit mm -hmm. from having that, you know, curated experience. And I felt it pretty strongly that, especially in the audio domain, it was going to be fun to see this in a theater. And that was my part of my decision-making process because of my reaction to the trailer, basically. Um, so I saw this trailer, I think I saw it, you know, come across my algorithm around June of this year, and I watched it and thought it was really uh, a more exciting trailer and a more interesting and just stirring trailer than many that I've seen for horror movies. A lot of times they can be kind of like cheesy or give stuff away or you can get, you know, just a vibe from them that it's not really going to be your cup of tea. Mm -hmm. But in that trailer, there was a specific moment that I found really scary and a lot of it had to do with the sound mixing. And I'm just going to assume for the purposes of this conversation, I know you've seen the trailer, Kat, mm -hmm. but for anyone listening, I'm going to try to limit this to things you can glean from the trailer or poster or, you know, the IMDb page for this movie, because a lot of people feel strongly that you should go in with as little information as possible, which is always a fun direction for viewing a film. But there was a moment in the trailer where Georgina Campbell is in a bedroom in this house and she is woken up by a noise and she looks at the door, the bedroom door, and it's ajar and you hear receding, very loud footsteps. They are mixed so loud in that trailer. And when I saw the trailer before nope in the theater it mm. was booming and i was like fuck i hate that that is <laughs> so scary i hate that this trailer is this effective how how dare they do this to me <laughs> and that made it really stick out in my mind that the trailer was so effective in such a short amount of time that's good stuff so when this came out a couple weeks ago, 
I waited to see what the reaction was, and everything I heard was very, very positive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the film reviewers that I watch on YouTube, um, you know, general film reviews or horror-specific reviewers really, really liked this film. And so I decided that I wanted to go and see it. And so that's what I did. And I really enjoyed it. I <laughs> I won't go so far as Alex Goldman did when he described it as the film of the year on oh, Twitter really? this week. But I did really, really enjoy it. And I'll try to talk about the elements that I enjoyed while giving away as little as possible. Um, a really interesting note that I have about this from the top, though, is that Barbarian is directed by Zach Kreger, and this is only his second ever film uh, that he's directed, but he is, um, I guess, previously best known as one of the cast members, one of the founders of The Whitest Kids You Know, the sketch comedy troupe. Mm They were really popular when I was in high school, so he comes from the world of sketch comedy predominantly, but now he, at least in this case, is transitioning over to directing horror, which is really exciting because one of the best working directors out there, Jordan Peele, Mm -hmm. made the same transition, and it's exciting to me that another person uh, coming from a similar background is doing the same thing. And his debut has been so successful in the horror domain. And so I find that really encouraging. And it's really surprising to me that this is his first, like, really big major film. Mm -hmm. Like, his real attempt at making a film. Because I would believe you if you told me this was someone's tenth film that they made. Because it just really did a great job of incorporating all kinds of different tones and beats. Like, Mm -hmm. it definitely had several comedy beats Mm -hmm. that were unexpected but very welcome. Um, There were just parts of the film that, when they were kind of showing characters away from the central plot, like our main character, uh, played by Georgina Campbell, her character's name is Tess. The whole reason she's in the situation that happens in Detroit is because she's visiting for a job interview, and you see her go and do that job interview, and it's for that segment, that one scene, you are like, oh, I'm in a a normal movie, I'm watching this professional woman succeed. Mm. And it's almost like you're not watching a horror movie at all. And there's other segments of it where you could be watching like a romantic comedy or romantic drama. Mm. Each tone is so well carried out that when you return to that main horror plot, it's even richer because you've seen other aspects of this world and how textured and layered they are, and it gives you a real appreciation for how layered the plot is by having all of these different tones layered into this one whole story. 
And so I guess I should say the basic premise of the movie is that uh, Georgina Campbell's character Tess is in town in Detroit and she's uh, preparing to go to a job interview and she has booked an Airbnb. But the problem is that when she arrives on like a, a dark rainy night at this Airbnb, someone is already staying there. And it's this guy, his name's Keith, he's played by Bill Skarsgård, of mm-hmm. course. It's Bill Skarsgård season now, so that's yes. great. And he's not the one that was in Big Little Lies. No, that's okay. the other one. That's the other one. The one in Big Little Lies is the one that scares me the most. I know, I know. Because of his performance. <laughs> Even though the other one is the one that played <laughs> Even Pennywise. Though, yeah, I know. I actually, after watching this, I really like Bill Skarsgård. I think he's really cool. Okay. I really enjoyed his performance in this. Cool. And, but I think he was cast perfectly because, you know, obviously the character Tess arrives at her Airbnb and this dude she doesn't know is already there. And obviously she doesn't want to be in a situation where she is staying in a house with a strange man because no woman wants to do that. But situationally, all of these, you know, things converge and eventually she ends up having to stay there with him. And so the very superficial plot that you get from the trailer and all of the promotional material is that, you know, she's put in the situation and now she's staying the night in the house with Bill Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... A meet-cute. A meet-cute. <laughs> um, but then you can also surmise from the trailer that she makes some discoveries about the physical properties of this house and finds a tunnel system, essentially, in the basement and makes some decisions about... <laughs> going into that into that area which you may or may not agree with <laughs> and you just kind of go from there I remember being so intrigued when I saw this um in the theater I when you said that you saw it before nope that brought it all back to me but I had completely forgotten about it until we exchanged topics this week and we exchanged topics at like eight or something last night and I was like oh, I'm going to look that up really quick. And then I clicked on the trailer and I was like, nope, I remember all of this and I am not in a mental state to watch this at 9 p.m. Thank you very much. (laughs) I love it. So I watched it right before we recorded tonight. But I mean, yeah, it's very intriguing, but the trailer definitely doesn't give a lot away. And it's really funny. You knew your limits and you didn't... (laughs) watch the entire trailer before bed Uh because something really funny happened yesterday after I had seen the movie and like I should say up front this is a pretty scary movie it's the type of movie that I find to be more scary over other types because it's completely rooted in reality there's no supernatural thing happening it's all completely plausible and it's especially plausible if you have a brain like me where you always think the worst thing (laughs) is going to happen and that people 
are basically terrible and will do terrible things. And so that to me made the tension and the suspense and the first act of it is this was the scariest part for me mm-hmm. because it was the most tense mm-hmm. because you understood the least about what was yes. going on and that was really really intense like mm-hmm. i kept like clenching my hands and being like fuck i just i just want georgina campbell to be okay <laughs> Because she does a great job. Oh, man. She kills this role. She is excellent. I knew her from maybe the most famous episode of Black Mirror, Hang the DJ, the one about the dating algorithm. She's really good in that, too. Oh, you should watch it. It's like the only one that doesn't make you want to jump off a fucking cliff. Anyway, she is excellent. Everyone in the movie is great. There's only about three or four really substantial parts, but everyone was casted very well. And Georgina Campbell as the lead did an excellent, excellent job. I was very firmly rooting for her the entire time. And yeah, so there are... There's just a lot of like build up suspense and suspicion and you don't really know what or who to trust throughout the movie and it kind of makes you just suspicious of everything around you, like that kind of feeling. And a funny thing happened where um, the night after I watched the movie last night, <laughs> I was asleep in the bedroom with the door closed and Will was, like, up doing his weird shit at, like, two in the morning, <laughs> like he does. And I was just minding my own business sleeping. And he, <laughs> he dropped his phone and tried to catch it and ended up slamming it into the bedroom door. <laughs> and it made this huge noise, which was not unlike things happening in the movie. And it woke me up, obviously. It was this massive noise. And I was like, mm, a different person would be scared because of the movie. <laughs> then I just went back to sleep. You're so wild. I love that. <laughs> I would have to investigate. If I hear one strange noise, I'm up walking around my house. I don't know what I'm going to do if someone's in my house. Yeah, it was incredibly loud. I was like, the barbarians here. Oh, well, (laughs) better sleep. (laughs) Gotta get my rest. (sighs) Anyway, so yeah, that's the type of situation I find scary is like a a plausible one. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I could totally see if you watch this movie like alone in your house at night and you were the only one that lives there, it could definitely be very, very extra scary. That's good to know. For sure. <laughs> Just a, a fair warning. Yeah. Um, but in the same turn, everyone on YouTube who I was reading comments from, they a lot of people saw it in like a packed theater with a mm-hmm. huge crowd of people and they said it was an excellent experience because everyone was just screaming <laughs> at the screen and reacting and laughing and cheering and mostly i think screaming but <laughs> it's so evocative there's so yeah. many things 
it's just so effective. Like, I know that's a really boring word to use, but it's really effective in everything that it does. Mm-hmm. And to be in a group of people all reacting to that in real time, I could see that being very, very fun. Yeah. It was literally me and three other people in our theater, so I didn't really have that big group experience. But if you and your friends are interested in this type of movie, I think it could be really fun to all see it together as a group and just really embrace having those reactions. Yeah. I feel like I haven't been to a horror film where like everybody's kind of like reacting to it. I feel like I'm the only person in the theater screaming. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my anxiety. Yeah. Wow. I'm the only person that just shrieked. It's fine. I don't know if I've ever been in a a theater experience like that either. It's cool. Yeah. Um, On top of like the really great performances that people give in the film, I really liked that there are several different avenues that the plot goes down beyond that initial like Airbnb, should I stay here, should I not stay here quandary. Mm -hmm. And I found it really refreshing, not just that there was more and more you were constantly discovering within the plot of the film, Mm -hmm. but it was also refreshing the way it was presented to you, where you would have like really clean breaks between acts, and you would kind of almost start over and then converge again onto the same point. And that gave you a lot of information about the characters involved, and what they were bringing to the situation, and that gave me all of the information I needed to know in order to kind of think about who I wanted to root for, and predictions I was making about where the plot was going. And I really enjoyed that it was, they at least played with the structure of the film a bit, and broke things up, and kept you engaged because you kind of had to be on your toes a lot to weave together these different storylines that you're being presented with and that kept it from being too taxing especially because the first act was so taxing if the Mm -hmm. entire film had been that way it would have been utterly exhausting so I love the way they Um, broke things up and just gave more depth to the story at the same time. I Mm -hmm. thought that was really well done. And there's lots of, I don't know if I would call them twists, but there's unexpected things that happen. Like you can't predict what's going to happen in the movie, but I did very early on form a hypothesis about the background situation and why these things were happening Mm -hmm. that was ultimately correct Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of why well it's like there's only so many plausible explanations ruling out supernatural things that could be the root cause for what is what you're observing in the first act so obviously like the first one I thought of was the ultimate cause but you still don't know like what the outcomes of all of those things will be, even if you can guess what the underlying cause was. Mm-hmm. So it was still really satisfying, even though I was like 
oh, I guessed right about, you know, why these things were happening, but I still had no idea what things were going to happen after Mm -hmm. that point. And that was really nice to be, like, actually feel like I couldn't predict the outcome of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And this is another thing. I mean, I don't think this is too spoilery because you can see in the credits on the poster and on IMDb that Justin Long is also in this movie. I think you briefly catch a glimpse of him in the trailer as well. And he plays a, a large part in the film and he plays one of the most morally ambiguous characters I've seen in a film like this in a while, or at least at first, he starts off ambiguous. And I found his character to be a really interesting addition to the film because you so often are presented with characters in horror films that you're obviously rooting for or Mm -hmm. obviously rooting against and Justin Long's character is constantly kind of flipping back and forth between those two possibilities because he exists in a really ambiguous morally gray zone and the more you learn about him the more he kind of falls into one of those two camps. I'm so intrigued fascinating to watch. He has some of the best comedic beats of the movie. Unsurprisingly, he's a very apt comedic actor, but he, I mean, you could, you could definitely write a a video essay on what the hell is up with that guy. Like it's, (laughs) he's very interesting. I don't want to give away much more than that, but his presence in the film is really striking and it made me feel like I had a firmer grasp on what the ultimate message of the film might be if I were like pressed to like form a thesis about what it's about and I think it's I could say it and it's abstract enough that it's not going to give anything away but if like someone's really concerned about spoilers like you don't have to listen to this part but Basically, my interpretation of the film, specifically the ending of the film, which I guess is kind of controversial, apparently, according to the reviews that I read on Rotten Tomatoes, but I really liked the ending. And I like the ending of the film because I think it really highlights a potential point that the film is making in that you know, you have these different characters and they're trying to achieve their ultimate goal of surviving, essentially, but they each have taken different strategies to work toward that goal. And I think based on the the people that survive, you can perhaps glean the message from the film that the way to outlast the other humans in the movie is ultimately to value and understand the other humans in the movie. Mm -hmm. And there can be a lot of different reasons why a certain character failed to understand the other humans, whether that's because they are 
just naturally in a fortunate position and they're not in the practice of needing to understand other humans or whether they're just complete narcissists and so they're not capable of understanding other humans or just because they're a barbarian essentially mm -hmm. and aren't capable of having compassion for other humans. And so when you think about each character that you've seen in depth in the movie and you consider the outcome, there's one person that actually considered the situation from other people's perspectives and they were the most successful. And so I think that's the main takeaway message from the film is that there's a lot of reasons why people dehumanize other people mm -hmm. and treat them in like non-humans, but no matter what the reason is, it's not uh, successful in this case and it's not acceptable in many ways. Mm -hmm. So that's one reading of it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's like a really interesting takeaway message. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I don't know why people are upset with the ending. I think perhaps they're just taking it too seriously, <laughs> I suspect. And if you're like a big horror person, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Yeah. I really want to go see it. I know, I'd be really curious to see how scary you felt it. It was, because I know it's not in your, like, core zone of scariness. Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. I don't know. I think the reason I can't pin down, like, why I think I'd be scared of it is because it gives me vibes of, like, home invasion stuff, which makes me very scared. Like, the opening scene of Us is absolutely mm. terrifying to me. I hate that. I hate it. And, like, that's kind of the vibe that it gives me or, like, the sensation that it gives me is, like, something's in the house that mm -hmm. I don't like. And that is, like, the crux of my fear of ghosts is that, like, uh. something's in my house or, like, there's the potential <laughs> of something being in my house that I have no consent over that relationship of uh. them being in my house. Then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This might be scary <laughs> for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a very scared person, so. Yeah. You get a really good read from the trailer mm -hmm. about, like, tonally what you're in store for. Mm -hmm. Like, you can surmise yeah. the vibe from the I trailer. <laughs> I wish we could all go see it with Alex Goldman. <laughs> that, that would be, be the, the life. I would and Jason Manzukis. We have to do Manzukis rules. <laughs> I will fly to the East Coast to go see a movie with Alice Goldman and Jason Manzukis. Could you imagine if we had a Friday night horror movie club oh. with Alex and Jason and we always did the Manzukis rules? Wow. Yeah. Incredible. A dream. This would be the first on the list. Yeah. That would be so fun. I wish. I wish they had kept Scaredy Cat Horror Show podcast going longer. Yeah. I wish they had delivered on the original plan to do 20 plus movies. <sighs> Ugh, that would have been great. imagine? It would have been like Oprah Book Club, but for horror fans. <laughs> and Scaredy Cats alike. <laughs> I am both. Um, 
Oh, God. That would be so fun. Yeah, use our Twitter and send them a DM. <laughs> it also makes me think of 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about that movie lately. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to rewatch that. That was mm-hmm. one that I saw in theaters and do not regret seeing in theaters. Yeah. I mean, I've never regretted seeing a movie in a theater, but it was so good. Yeah. It's um, a kind of similar in a lot of ways in that you just have a very small handful of characters mm-hmm. and most of it's underground. Yeah. That, <laughs> and... that was what I was thinking. And clearly, like, there's two people that have been thrown into a situation. I mean, I don't know exactly what Bill Skarsgård's whole deal is, Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like there are two characters who unwittingly have been thrown into this scenario. So unless he's pulling the strings, who knows? But that's not my initial impression. And that's very similar to 10 Cloverfield, where... There's the the woman character and the guy. And then there's also Sully from Monsters, Inc. Is John Goodman? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I can't do names today. You're so funny. Yeah. There's the female character, the male Mary character, Elizabeth and Winston. then Sully from Monsters, Inc. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, the guy from the newsroom, and John Goodman. The guy from the newsroom? Yeah, Jim. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even know that was him. That's him. I love Jim. I know, we do. One last note on Justin Long is that I grew up having a huge crush on Justin Long because he was in Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like 10 when that came out. And I was like, I love this man. He's everything. That's incredible. Yep, that's just a fact about myself. Wow. Is that the Lindsay Lohan one? Yep. And he's just like the male love interest in that. That's fascinating. And I was like, this is everything. I love this man. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm excited. Amazing. I honestly don't know what to expect. I don't even know what you mean by that. I'm so curious what role he plays. You'll know what I mean right away. Okay. And you'll know where you stand on him at the end. Hmm. For sure. He's only ambiguous for a certain amount of time. And then you're like, oh, I see. I see what your game is, Justin Long. (laughs) I love it. I just saw him on, I want to say Good Mythical Morning, an episode of that. Where he was I on it or something. He, I think you're, you might be right. I might have seen that thumbnail. I think yeah. it was to promote this film, to be honest. I was watching it while I was falling asleep, so I didn't... I was just like, oh, there's Justin Long. <laughs> but I wasn't paying attention. So I'll have to go back and watch that. Should we move on to x Yes. Yes. Those are all of my disorganized thoughts about Barbarian. Please go see it. In the theater, if you have the chance, and if you don't get around to it, watch it at home. Rent it. It'll be great at home, too. It's but not... you've got to follow Manzuka's rules, so yeah. lights out. You've Light, got to not take out, breaks. Nighttime, no breaks. You have to be you trapped can't phone a with friend. the movie. <laughs> 
You should um, bring like a stress ball or something to grip in your hand. I highly recommend. (laughs) (laughs) My beer can from Until Dawn. (laughs) Okay. Well, so today I'm talking about one of my favorite TV shows of all time, X-Files. So I'm going to give a really basic premise for the show because I think it's important, but it's so culturally important that I feel like if, unless you live under a rock, you know a little bit about the premise of the X-Files. Definitely. But, um, so this was a TV show that started airing in 1993, I believe, and it stars David Duchovny as Mox, Mox Mulder. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do names today. Mox. As the male character, and then um, <laughs> as Fox Mulder, um, and then your female lead is played by Jillian Anderson, and she plays uh, Dana Scully. Dr. Dana Scully. Dr. Dana Scully. Um, and basically, in the pilot, you get kind of oriented to this idea that Dr. Dana Scully is a new FBI agent. She is recruited to the X-Files. She's basically assigned to the X-Files in the hopes that she will provide this kind of skeptic um, point of view for everything that Fox Mulder is working on. So Fox Mulder is basically the only person working on the X-Files, and it's just a... uh, Basically, the cases that have some kind of paranormal or unexplainable element go to the X-Files department, and Mulder and Scully kind of go and investigate, and a lot of the time, they just take it upon themselves to go and investigate something that they were not asked to do, and (laughs) they get in trouble all the time, which I love (laughs) because Fox Mulder has the most chaotic energy will break into government buildings knowing fully well that he will get caught and just hopes for the best. Like, ah, that man. So they basically just have this really great um, chemistry with one another. It's very, like, uh, it, it just, like, sets you up for a lot of really good comedic moments. One of the things that I love so much about this show is that there's a real variety in the episodes. It yeah. kind of... It's very clear that there are lots of different writers for this show and lots of different styles of episode, which lends itself to a bunch of people's different interests. It just lends itself to, I think, anyone's interest because there's just a a different kind of episode for everyone out there. Um, But largely, the show kind of centers around this idea that the government is keeping secrets from the general public, and Fox Mulder is seeking the truth. And so oftentimes he's working against our own government, against this kind of dark organization within the government that's covering things up and trying to uncover all of these different conspiracies that he believes exist. So I think that it's really fun in that sense. I would say that... In terms of an overall plot, it doesn't have as much strength as the individual kind of monster of the week 
format episodes. Those tend to be the ones that I gravitate towards. They're like my favorites. So, mm-hmm. um, but the execution is really great and really consistent, even though there are so many different um, directors and writers for the episodes, it, it ends up being carried out really well. So I started watching the X-Files in, so I started watching the X-Files when I was in college. I didn't like grow up watching X-Files, but Mm -hmm. it was kind of really my first foray into horror content in general. It kind of set me up to have this love of horror. My mom didn't watch horror movies when I was a kid, and so I ended up not really watching any horror. I like read a few Stephen King books, but this kind of really initiated my interest in the horror genre. And it's funny because when I met Scott, I had watched through the entire series and um, like first date questions typically are like, what's your favorite thing to like do? Like, what are your hobbies? And I was like, oh, I really like X-Files. Like that's kind of the media I like. Uh And uh, he was like, oh, that's funny. One of the characters in X-Files, in an episode of X-Files, is uh, named after my father. I'm not going to tell you guys which episode because it will give you guys too much information. Mm -hmm. But basically, my father-in-law was dating this woman for a while. And she ended up being an X-Files writer later on. And she named a, like greasy teenage boy after my father-in-law and I think it's so funny it's such an interesting story and I was like well now I just have to marry this guy that's amazing what an amazing fun fact what an anecdote that's amazing wow very good an eternal burn forever that's great that's so good I love it Um, so for spooky season, the way I thought it would be best to kind of like give people a little sampler platter of (laughs) X-Files is to recommend a couple of episodes that fall into the scary camp and then the campy camp. So kind of more lighthearted spooky season episodes and Mm -hmm. ones that I find like truly spooky. But I will start with... The scary episodes give you kind of like a sentence or two introductory teaser for each one. And uh, if you remember any of them, we can talk about them. I highly suspect my favorite all-time episode will be on your camp list. I hope so. So in my scary category, number three is... I held up two fingers. (laughs) Number three (laughs) is... Uh, called Detour. And on this one, I was really between Detour and Ice, which is a different episode that I really love. But Mm -hmm. Ice is just not as good The Thing. It's like basically Uh, the same plot mm -hmm. as The Thing, but The Thing does it a lot better. But it's still a really fun episode. Detour is season five, episode four. I just wanted to look up the episode number. That one is... Uh, Mulder and Scully are driving through, I think it's the Florida Everglades on their way to a conference with another set of agents. And 
like they both really don't want to go. It's going to be like team building exercises, just like really horrible corporate bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so they drive past a bunch of like police cars with their uh, their lights on. And so they stop and Mulder's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to we'll get to the conference when we get to the conference. Like, let's investigate this. Mm-hmm. And it's a really classic example of like monster of the week. You can't see this thing out in the woods and it's grabbing people and then you just disappear without a trace so i think it's like classic but really well executed monster of the week content my number two on my scary list is called unruhe which is oh it's so scary it's an example of a human monster of the week Mm -hmm. So it, like, it really, every time I watch it, I feel, like, really scared of this person. But this episode starts out with a woman who is getting her passport photo taken and ends up getting basically kidnapped right after she gets her passport photo taken. So she never comes to pick up her passport photo and, uh... Scully and Mulder show up at this, like, basically drugstore Walgreens type place where she would have gotten her passport photo taken. Uh And they're like, oh, well, just give that to us, I guess. And they see in the background of her passport photo these, like, weird, creepy creatures um, that are, like, in the black background. Um, And she looks like she's screaming. She wasn't screaming in reality because you don't scream for your passport photo but (laughs) anyway so they have to track down this person who's like kidnapping people and then there's this also like paranormal element of whatever's going on in the pictures so i think that one's really good very effective scare um and then my number one i hope that this isn't the one you're thinking of i don't think it is but um it's chinga no okay so This is my favorite scary episode. I come back to this one constantly. Hmm. And I actually, when I was doing my quick research for this episode, oh, I realized that I didn't give the season and episode number for Unruhe. Unruhe is season four, episode four. And then Chinga is season five, episode 10. So. In my, like, quick research for this episode, I saw that Stephen King actually wrote this episode, which oh, wow. is, it makes so much sense. That's so cool. Why it's my favorite, and also some of the elements of why I like it so much is it's set in Maine, and the people have very strong Mainer <laughs> accents. It's incredible. It's set in, like, a maine seaside town and scully basically goes on vacation in maine and gets roped in on this like local case and it has it's simultaneously so scary and also could potentially fall into that like campy category because it it's pretty funny but for the most part like the actual scary element isn't campy at all Mm mm-hmm but it is a haunted doll episode. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> um, and it's basically this single mother um, cares for her daughter who has autism. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the daughter has this doll that she carries around with her and based on what the daughter wants the doll kind of acts out it's like a a is acting out the wishes of the daughter. So, like, when the daughter's not getting what she wants, like, she might get, like, really angry. And it's also, like, an outward expression because the daughter kind of internalizes things and then the doll externalizes what needs to happen. So it's really, really scary just because it's the concept of, like, a child with a lot of power and uh, destructive capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and single mom stuff just really is scary I think because it's you have no support in that situation but yeah there's some really good scares in that one um and just some really good main vibes I think the whole time Scully's wearing like this touristy shirt that says like (laughs) welcome to Maine and it's got like a lobster on it or something And then you also get these, like, interspersed cuts where she's talking to Mulder on the phone, and he's clearly bored out of his noggin. He is, like, throwing his sunflower shells into a cup across the room. He's, like, not doing any work. Uh Um, And he just keeps calling Scully to, like, (laughs) distract her from her vacation. It's incredible. But, yeah, I think that that really shows their, their dynamic really well as well. In my campy category, mm-hmm. I have um, Arcadia. Um, can you remind me what that one is? Um, so that is season six, episode 15. And this is the one where Scully and Mulder go undercover in a <laughs> homeowners association. Like, right. Yeah, I know community. this one. <laughs> and yeah. Um, basically the rules are like really strict and when you break the rules, a monster comes and gets you. It's yeah. priceless. It's one of the best episodes out there. I love the like, oh, we have to pretend to be like married to each other. Yeah. It just like is so ripe for comedy because it's so good. I just love it. It's so good. Um, number two is, oh, maybe this is the one. Bad Blood? Yep. Yeah, Bad Blood is so good. (laughs) Um, Love Luke Wilson. Incredible silly boy. Um, (laughs) I fucking love that one. Bad Blood is the... It's a take on a really campy vampire story. Basically, um, there are these cows being exsanguinated and... I don't think maybe there had been a person that had been exsanguinated and then the agents get called in or whatever. But there's a lot of talk of exsanguinating cows at the very beginning. Right. And one thing that I love about this episode is that it's shown from either Scully's perspective or Mulder's perspective. Yes. And the differences that they see in this episode is, like, incredible. So, like, Scully sees Luke Wilson as this, like, really handsome man, this really handsome sheriff that's, like, super capable. And when you flip to Mulder's perspective, it's, like, this hick with buck teeth and a really strong accent. He's just, like, so stupid. (laughs) It's incredible. Um, it's so good. Yeah. And I love that device that they use for the episode. It's so good. Yeah. I love that episode. 
Yeah. It's also uh, a pretty good scare. I, yeah, there's like a couple of kind of spooky moments where it's almost a little jump scary in it's that It's extremely episode. funny, though. Yes. I love that one. Ugh. That's my yeah. favorite of, of all time from all the ones I can recall. Yes. Um, and then my absolute favorite campy X-Files episode is um, X-Cops. So, did you watch the show Cops? Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, yeah. I remember Cops. Okay, so Cops, if you haven't seen Cops or don't know the scenario, it just it's a 90s television show where it was like a reality show. where I think it's cameramen, still running, to be honest. really? Yeah, I That's listened to a good crazy. pod about it. It's like really strange. Yeah, I think huh. it never stopped. Wow. So it's a it's a reality television show where a camera crew follows around uh, cops on their daily jobs and they kind of narrate as they drive around. But basically in, in this episode, um, there's like a cool, fun crossover right. where you're following these cops around on their daily routine and they keep talking about how there's like a full moon and uh then this this cop sees they're like going around he's already kind of worked up and he sees like his childhood monster that his older brother used to tell him about and uh basically there's this really good moment where he like turns a corner sees whatever is behind that corner and then turns around and he's talking to the cameraman. He's like, we got to go, we got to go. And it's like this like really good, almost Blair Witch type energy where you're like really amped up because there's like this element of running and being in the, in the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. And then Mulder and Scully kind of run into them after the fact and explain like, oh, maybe this is a werewolf. Like we got to go get a sketch artist to draw up what they saw and so like one person sees freddy krueger and one person sees a werewolf and this guy saw the wasp man so you start to kind of like put the pieces together and um yeah it's another really funny episode because scully's trying to make Mulder be like kind of reined in she's like we don't want to be on tv right looking like we believe in werewolves like that's not what the fbi wants from us yeah and then there's just Mulder being like well i really think it's a werewolf (laughs) and it's a good energy so yeah i love that episode it's definitely one of my all-time most watched episodes x cops was season seven episode 12 okay but yeah just a good little sampling platter of different X-Files episodes for all people. I think my top scary one is probably Squeeze. Mm. Yeah, Home Invasion. Yeah, (laughs) specifically because I remember seeing that when it came out, which meant I was maybe three or four years old. Wow. Yeah, this was that situation where (laughs) my dad worked during the day And my mom worked at the bar at night. Mm -hmm. So during primetime television hours, (laughs) my dad was in charge. (laughs) 
of me and Corey and what we were watching. And so he, we would like watch the Muppet show together, which mm-hmm. was great. But then <laughs> later on the X-Files would come on and my dad would be like, well, I want to watch this. So <laughs> this is what we're watching. And I remember watching Squeeze and being like, I can't handle this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and I it, bet your dad was just like, well, this can't traumatize them too much. They're so young. Yeah. They'll bounce back. He was back. Uh, a real 90s dad in that regard. Oh, man. Corey and I were afraid of the X-Files theme song for several years because we were just tiny children and we knew when the theme song came on that the scary the scary monsters were coming (laughs) but we'd stay and watch anyway oh my god yeah and i just remember being disturbed by the idea of like viscera moving through vents and like dripping on dana scully and things of that nature and Like, it just really stuck in my mind. Like, it got embedded as a childhood memory. Mm -hmm. The, like, liver coming through Uh a bathroom vent or something. And that was, like, the principal memory I had of X-Files for years and Uh years and years. Until I just went and, like, rewatched it as an adult. And Uh then I was like, here's the episode. This is the episode. And it's a scary one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like this is the one that's been stuck in my head for all of these years Mm -hmm. because my dad let us watch it (laughs) when I was four. Yeah. Incredible. Ugh. What a show. Yeah, I can see how that... I mean, a lot of these would be really scary if you were 10 and under. Yeah. I think. What a good memory, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We would play this fun game where we'd get to stay up and watch X-Files with Dad, but if we heard... The garage door opening, Corey and I had to run, run, run upstairs and pretend we were sleeping in bed. <laughs> I love that. My dad would be like, okay, go run and jump under the covers. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. your, your dad sounds so fucking cool. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Squeeze is really terrifying. I oh, hate yeah. all of the ones where, like... Dana gets targeted by the monster. It's so scary. Yeah. Because, like, the monster will just follow her home, and she's just, like, a person that lives by herself. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) I hate it. Yeah, you're at your most vulnerable when you're alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The real truths. (laughs) Oh, man. What a good show. What a sexy show. Yeah? So good. Mulder and Scully, like, classic. Classic pairing. Best character names on television. Yeah. In history. Mm-hmm. Fox, Mulder, and Dana Scully. Yeah. It's never been better than that. The best names. That's true. Not best... Mox Mulder. You don't Not like Mox Mulder. <laughs> they had just such good chemistry. I mean, that's why that's... that show was a utter phenomena. Like, yeah. People were like, we'll watch... Mulder and Scully do anything. This is amazing. Yeah. I remember liking Field Trip. Mm. That's one where they do a bunch of mushrooms in a field. <laughs> I... Oh, I do remember that one. They just don't know that that's what's happening. Yeah. That one is a good one. There's one where Mulder... Fuck, what is the case? There's one where Mulder is out on some field case 
and he has to interact with this entomologist who is like they cast this very sexy actress on purpose like that's Uh part of the plot and um dana scully's all upset that the entomologist is sexy that one's really good (laughs) yeah that one's called Copperphages, or War mm-hmm. of the Copperphages, or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bunch of cockroaches killing people. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I love the ones where Fox has just, like, all of this sexual tension with another woman, and you're just like, mm. get out of here. <laughs> I love the Lone Gunman. None of those. I didn't bring up any oh, yeah, episodes we didn't even talk the about Lone that. Gunman. But the Lone Gunman are, like, a... A group of three that help Fox with different, I don't know, hacking type things. Um, or they basically consult with him. But they, I don't think they do it for any kind of payment because it's no. not sanctioned by the FBI. They just are in it for the, 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 love of the hot game. goss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Langley. He's my favorite. He's the one with the long blonde hair. Ah. Uh. They have some really good Lone Gunman-focused episodes. Such a good show. Highly recommend it. Do you like my Walter Skinner glasses? I just got new glasses. Oh, they're very nice. Thank you. (laughs) I found them on Zenai, and I was like, these look like Walter Skinner glasses, and I've been obsessed Mm -hmm. for years, so I feel like I bring it up every time I talk about him. If you want to hear Kat talk about why she loves Walter Skinner, check out our top five best supporting characters episode. He was my number one. He was, yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. He's incredible. Oh, and I've got my Mulder I know, I've been looking at your um, Fox Mulder painting this entire time. Yeah. Yeah. There's an artist around here that does... uh, portraits of like pop culture characters and stuff so i've got a fox Mulder and dana scully in my office painting you guys a word picture um (laughs) but yeah it's it's a lot of fun and i mean i talk about uh fringe as well and it's very similar energy to fringe these are like my top two favorite tv shows so I mean, you don't you don't really have TV like that anymore, where it's like a monster of the week type format, where you can just watch any episode for the most part and know generally what the formula is, generally what's going on, and it's it's great television. I love that. Yeah, I can't think of anything else like that right now. But I I, I don't know. There's so much TV. But oh they, yeah, I know. X Files like invented Monster of the Week, right? Like that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a good format, and I mean, it lends itself to cable television so well because on cable television, you can't bank on the person picking up the remote having seen the pilot or like right. keeping up with those episodes. So. it's advantageous to you to have a show where people can jump in pretty much anywhere so good point yeah but the the sexual chemistry keeps you coming back exactly (laughs) yeah um yeah bringing back the oldies which is my mo (laughs) i was trying to think of overlaps while we chatted but it's kind of hard because there's not much many details i know that's on me (laughs) No, I mean, it's not on you. It's that it's such a new thing, and obviously you don't want to spoil it. 
I mean, it seems like a good mix of horror and comedy, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, X-Files has some good scares, but it, it has a lot of comedic relief. It's never too, too dark. So yeah. That's one overlap. Can you hear the thunder here? I heard something. It just sounded like a little bit of banging around back there. Oh, yeah. There's, like, a big storm happening. It's like Will's, Will's walking around. <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's, like, a lot I want to say, but I don't want to give too much away. Obviously, they both are scary at their core. Mm-hmm. So, they... It's it's kind of funny that their vibe is not that far off. Um, like, I could see, like, if you took the entire plot of Barbarian, mm-hmm. once it's all unwound, this is a case that Mulder and Scully could have investigated yeah. for sure um i could definitely see this being an episode of the x-files where they mm-hmm. come along and they're like oh what happened here and then they investigate the entire thing it would definitely fall into that wheelhouse yeah wow that's so interesting to think about too because when you have that i don't typically think of x-files as like a horror show but it's because when you have that one step removed of like we are looking at something that would have been scary in that moment Mm -hmm. um as a case it gives you that one step removed from the really really scary Mm -hmm. energy but yeah that's a really good point yeah and it reminds me of one very specific x-files episode though but if i said which one it would like give away Uh, too much but tell me I will tell you if you want okay. to know. I do want to know. I'll cut it out. It's very reminiscent of No. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I hate that episode. I'm not going to have a good time, am I? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Too scary. Four-year-olds can't watch it. <laughs> Can you imagine? I um, wish I could remember the other ones I saw in real time. That would be... So good. Um, I think something that stood out to me when you were explaining your top picks, mm -hmm. especially for the campy ones, Mm -hmm. was that you seem to be really interested in episodes that played with form. So the crossover with cops is obviously an unorthodox form for Mm -hmm. X-Files because it's framed as an episode of cops, not an yeah. episode of a, like a a three camera drama or whatever mm-hmm. however you would describe a normal x-files episode yeah um and same thing for for bad blood where yeah. they play with the structure and they you sh- you see the entire story play out and then you start over again at the beginning but from the other person's perspective so you're watching the plot unfold twice through of Scully and Mulder's perspectives. So that's uh, also a departure from the normal form. Those episodes that you selected, they stand mm-hmm. out because they do a really good job of using structure and yes. form in unexpected ways. And I think that's definitely a strength of Barbarian in that there's really strong choices they make with structure in terms mm-hmm. of when and how you get information and that keeps things really fresh and um just varies up the the pacing and the tone and that's a 
a really great credit to the film. So yeah. I think those are strengths for both. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yours seems really scary. I'm going to have to go see it. Dang it. I really want... I wish I could go with you. I wish Every I could time too. we talk about something, I just want to be the one there <laughs> I know. with you so I can see your reaction. But yeah. All right. I can't think of anything else yet. I'm sure if I went and saw it, I'd be able to come up with some other overlaps. I mean, obviously, there's like a human villain in this and there's a large portion of x-files episodes that have a human villain or are approached as though it is a human antagonist Mm -hmm. because that's like scully's default is like explaining things from a human perspective first and foremost yeah that's a great point and i guess that's kind of the subtext to the point i made earlier but i should have stated more explicitly Mm. that this could I could see this easily being a case that yeah. Mulder yeah. and Scully are investigating because from the outset it seems like this like really bizarre potentially supernatural mm-hmm. thing that's going on um before you understand the entire backstory mm-hmm. and then you're just like oh it's just you know that same old story that people are really fucked up <laughs> for joining us this week on friend diagram thank you to tyler seek for the creation of our intro and outro music did you take any of our recommendations have any thoughts on the show let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode if you can please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice and we'll see you back here same place next week Bye for now.